Welcome back to another edition of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. I'm Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. And we are continuing our journey through Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Happy New Year. If you're listening to us as we record these, this one is dropping in 2022. First one, the New Year. Woohoo! Happy birthday to my brother, Boo. He of the Seta fame. Yes, yes. Or in- infamous <laughs> Seta incident. I love how it has become, like, it's become an inside joke from way back when, but now it is also an inside joke. It's become an inside in joke for, for current people yes. who weren't around we're, yeah, we're even 15 there. years ago. It's crazy how some things can just keep going. But we are trying to continue our New Year's resolution of dropping at least two episodes a month. Yes. And next weekend we're busy, so we made sure mm-hmm. to get one in this weekend. So last time we talked about Chapter 28 of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, The Madness of Mr. Crouch, and things are business is starting to pick up a little bit, Jessica. Things are starting to happen. We're not just dilly-dallying around the castle and... Hitting on girls. Oh, really? Because I felt like we didn't do anything but sit around and talk. <laughs> well, you on last last episode? Oh no, not the last episode. This, this one. Sorry, this chapter. Oh, and the, well, I that's what I meant. La- in last chapter, I things know. started to pick up. This one, we just talked a little bit and had a had a dream. I have a dream. Oh, uh, Doctor King's uh, birthday uh, coming up next Monday. Look at it all what ties we did. together. Synergy. It all ties together. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking to some Trelawney today. Your favorite. My mom. Is it? Oh, <laughs> I don't okay. know if my mom is Mrs. Weasley or Trelawney. She's kind of like an amalgamation Hybrid of both. Of both, yeah. yeah. Uh, but let's talk about what happened last time, Chapter 28, The Madness of Mr. Crouch. Mr. Crouch's former house elf, Winky, still in the midst of a deep, dark depression and intoxicated on butterbeer. Winky hints that Mr. Crouch has a very deep, dark secret. Uh, Hermione is getting hate mail, including the wizarding equivalent of anthrax via Alpost. Ouch. The trio still have no idea how Rita Skeeter is getting all her scoops. We find out that the third task is going to be a pumpkin patch corn maze. Anastasia likes corn. Mm Mm-hmm, she does. I don't know, I don't think she's ever done a corn maze. And she's she's a girl, so she probably likes pumpkin spice. I don't. You're the outlier, though. Yeah, yeah. Of girls that don't like pumpkin spice. Uh, Victor Crumb pulls Harry aside. They walk off to an isolated part of the grounds, of course, to talk about Victor being displeased that Harry is potentially moving in on his woman, Hermione. (laughs) Hermione. When Mr. Crouch shows up, looking like death that's been warmed up in the microwave. He's rambling about Voldemort, Bertha Jorkins, Mr. Crouch's son, and needing to speak with Voldemort, or needing to speak with Voldemort, uh, Dumbledore. There you go. Uh, Victor Crumb, apparently, we find out, is a 94-pound weakling who can't even keep a worn-down Crouch in one place. What? While Harry runs to fetch Dumbledore. By the time Harry comes back with Dumbledore, Mr. Crouch is long gone, and Victor is laid out by some sort of hex. Oh, you didn't mention he was talking to Weatherby. Who? Uh, don't say he. We, we don't use pronouns here on the show. Um, Crouch? <laughs> Crouch? Question mark? <laughs> was talking to Weatherby. Weatherby, fetch me some tea. I'm have to. I'm going to the play with with Fudge, Mr. Fudge tonight. Yes. And then he goes to. I need to speak to Dumbledore. It's All the modest dogs that ever. Oh, Chapter twenty nine: The Dream. Like Dr. King, Harry has a dream. <laughs> but it's not I don't a, think it's the same But it's not about dream. racial equality. No. It's about other stuff. So in this chapter, we're going to talk about today, Harry, Ron, and Hermione coming up with all kinds of theories about what happened with Victor and Mr. Crouch. Vis-a-vis how Victor got hexed, how Mr. Crouch, despite being malnourished and haggard... <laughs> Was able to not be found in the forest afterwards. Was able to overpower the 94-pound Victor Crumb. It's just that just it. He's this big jock athlete. But he's been sheltered, babe. Sheltered. Okay. 
So it's like, you know, the, the, the gymnasts who train all the time. They don't know what real life's like. They've never had a Dark Lord come after them. Harry's, Harry's got it together. This is a normal day for him. But some of those Russian gymnasts have had to deal with the Dark Lords. Well, yeah, they have. They have a hard, they have a hard uh, upbringing. They very de- have very demanding trainers and whatnot. Uh, the trio are in the process of sending this information to Sirius when the twins, Fred and George, show up to the Owlry with a message of their own. And they're talking about blackmail. They're talking about playing dirty. Something that the Ministry of Magic wouldn't, wouldn't. would want to know about. They're talking about payoffs. What's going yeah. on here? I don't know, Daniel. I think you do. Well, I can't tell you. So, spoilers. Jess, I can't help but think this has got something to do with Ludo Bagman. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you can't tell me, but. We know that Ludo Bagman likes to uh, place bets with children. <laughs> I feel like this is probably common knowledge, though. I'm not sure it's something blackmail-worthy. You don't think Bagman is into stuff that's blackmail-worthy? Well, no, I'm sure he is. I'm just the the betting with children. And this dude has been I trying feel to like he he's hasn't been trying to fix the Triwizard Tournament from the beginning, which has got to be a <laughs> A pretty egregious crime. Okay, that's a little worse. I mean, they're both bad, but I feel like he doesn't doesn't try to hide his gambling issues with children. With anybody, children. Else, I think he'll 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 bet anybody, anything, anytime. Well, Harry, Ron, and Hermione are kind of trying to figure out what the twins are up to now, and I love Hermione's speech about. The differences between rules and the law. Ron says that the twins don't mind breaking rules, so they could easily be up to some major league mischief here. But Hermione basically says that she basically says that rules are made to be broken, but the law is to be upheld at every turn. Is that that's right? That's not that's what basically she what says. she says, and that's basically what she's done since she's been at Hogwarts. Is every year she has broken some big time rules. Well, but not the law. Can't break the law. Can't though. break the law. The laws are the laws. <laughs> you sound like Hermione. Like rules. Eh. <laughs> we actually had this discussion in the third grade classroom I was subbing in this week. Because they were reading that book. And in the book he shoves a girl real hard out of her chair and she falls. And the kids were all like, And that book is like <laughs> so. Isaiah's Isaiah Dunn is my hero. My hero, something like that. And it's been a little controversial for third grade, but that's what they're telling us to there? read. Yes, definitely. And the ch- kids were all cheering and clapping. They were so excited, jumping out of their chairs because this girl finally got what was coming to her. Because she's been mean. Her name's mm. Angel, of course. Of course. And <laughs> she's horrible. And she's so mean to this boy. And so then the teacher had to kind of like, okay, well, I understand that. But you can't, you can't just, I forget how she worded it. Something about give in to violence or give in to your rage because when you're bigger, then you'll go to jail. And so they had this whole conversation about, yes, these are the rules at school, but these are the laws in the world. So I just thought that was kind of funny that we just had that conversation with a group of kids. By the way, our dog Nightwing has been cooped up for the better part of a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have. Because of sub-zero weather here in St. Louis. And rain and ice. And and so he is currently presenting you with a toy <laughs> and letting you know how cool it is. And we'll probably soon be squeaking it. No, this one's dead. The squeaker's dead. On the microphone. So I just like that Hermione is like, yeah, I mean, the law is the law, but eh, we can just kind of do whatever we want with these rules. These rules aren't that big of a deal. Yeah. And then and Fred and George know that, right? I also love how the twins <coughs> threaten Ron, but they threaten him by basically saying that if he snitches on them, snitches, see what I did yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, see what you did? If he snitches on them, then... Ron would be on the road to becoming a prefect, like Percy somehow. <laughs> and Ron is like totally offended by that. Totally. 
I but no, I won't. No, no uh-huh. I won't. How, why would you say it's so mean? Such a mean thing to say. Well, see, I thought you were going to go the other one where he said that he'd he'd basically break his nose. He said, if you want your nose to stay the way it is, that, but I don't know why you would. Or why'd you would? I'm like, but, but. <laughs> Crooked nose, fool. And I'm going to break it. And... Then you're going to be a prefect on top of that. <laughs> yeah. No, I won't. Like these were the worst threats ever. I, by the way, I could have also said that if Ron ratted them out, you know, because Ron's got a history of like rat people sleeping in bed with him. <laughs> yeah, that would work. So snitch or rat them out. Uh, the trio check in with Professor Moody to see if Moody was able to track down Mister Crouch. And this is another kind of under-the-radar thing that I noticed in this chapter. Moody is very impressed with Hermione's instincts. And we already know Moody thinks that Harry would be a great Auror someday. Mm. But Ron is like, yeah, me too. He's like fishing for compliments as well. It's, it's kind of like middle child par for the course with Ron, right? Yeah. That's kind of like... The scene kind of sums up Ron in a nutshell. It really does. He really wants to be special and included and with him it's not even like middle kid because he was like the little kid like he was the baby he's the youngest boy so he's mm. not even in the middle but yeah it's like the worst forgotten child yeah. overlooked syndrome yeah even when he was when he was the baby at least he had that going for him and then Jenny, Jenny came along the only girl who's oh my now God. the baby Yay. and the only girl and Ron is is <laughs> Every- and they're, they're only a year apart, so it's like Ron didn't even get to like enjoy that mm-hmm. year because he was a baby. Right. He doesn't know. And and all the other brothers have their thing. Like Charlie's got his dragons, and Percy's got his prefect status and working for the, the ministry. And the, the twins, the twins kind of have each other, first of all, mm-hmm. you know. But then they, they've also got, you know, their, their side hustles and their, you know, uh, uh, plans for the future and you know opening up they, they even mentioned it in this chapter you know opening up the joke store and and Ron is just kind of you know even Jenny has got the fact that she's the only girl and the fact that she's the youngest and mm-hmm. and Ron's really still kind of searching for his identity at this point he's Harry Potter sidekick right and that and, still and, doesn't really and that he does he's not keen on that <laughs> <laughs> being the sidekick at all. Well, it's not much different than just being the sidekick to the rest of his family, mm-hmm. you know. But it's also, he's still younger than all of them, you know. Fred and George, I mean, they were pranksters, and they had each other, but when Percy was younger, I guess he was still probably like a goody two-shoes, tattletale, but it was just like, you know, you don't just have your thing as soon as you get to school. Except for Jenny, because hers is just the fact that she's a girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ron is, in this scene, he's kind of, like, throwing out theories and seeing if Moody kind of responds to them. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of <laughs> thinking, like, hey, you know, I could be a good or too, you know, yeah. because I think this, you know, maybe he did disapparate. And... Which I thought was funny, because, and I feel like, he would go along with that kind of career just because the other two would. I don't really feel like he would want it. No. But he wants it. He just wants somebody to say it here. Yeah. He just wants. And we saw it in the mirror of Erised. Is that his desire is just to be acknowledged. Mm-hmm. And to be, you know, to kind of get what Harry has and doesn't want. You know, it's kind of wants like, you know, Harry's got all this money. And doesn't really care about it. You know. Harry's got all this fame. And doesn't really care about it. You know. Harry has spent his whole life just wanting to be a, a, a part of something. He's spent most of his life alone. The fact that he's actually around. You know. Like-minded people. And you know. People that are. Have similar abilities to him. And people that. You know. Are willing to. You know. Work with him. And. And teach him. And train him. That's everything to, to Harry. And the fact that he's got Sirius now, you know, he's got real family. That's a, that's everything to him. But 
for Ron, he's like, well, I've always had family. <laughs> I got way too much you family. Know, I got I got way too much family. I think I you know I want I want the fame. I want you know the I want to be the star of the Notoriety. Quidditch team. Yeah, I want I want to be you know hoisting that uh, cup in the air. I think it's kind of now that you mention it the way you laid it out like that. It's kind of weird that Harry doesn't make bigger deal out of the money because he didn't ever have any growing up either. But I he mean, was. But he always had. But like they, they always allude to like he didn't. They didn't feed him, and he never got birthday presents. And I mean, he still grew up in a house that had decent money because they spent a lot on yeah. Dudley. So they weren't like so he still had super heat, poor. He still had air conditioning. Yeah. And he still had his dog making crazy <laughs> no, noises in, in the he, background. Did he have that? I don't know. Um, but but what was the thing that he? What was the main thing that he never had? People who cared about love, him. yeah. And now he's got that. You know, he's got friends that love him. He's got the the Weasleys who who treat him like family. You know, he's got Sirius who loves him. He's got uh, you know Dumbledore is he's Dumbledore's favorite. Now you all know I don't pick favorites, but Harry, he is my favorite. <laughs> Sorry, I was a little late on that one. I was trying to pet the dog so he would quit. Your uh, your drops are your drops are color coded now. By they the way. are color coded. Thank you. So Hermione is in purple. Mm -hmm. Ron and Harry are red. Puffs and some couple new ones are in yellow. And then the miscellaneous miscel potpourri. Yeah, not exactly Harry Potter related, but just podcast related. So Sirius writes back to Harry, pretty upset that. Harry ran off to a secluded part of the castle grounds with Crumb. <laughs> hey, I know you're really worried about me, and you're like risking your life to hang out near the you know, near the school, and in case I need you. But I went walking in the dark late night in the woods with this guy who's my, like my competition. <laughs> uh, he's known for being this baddie. He comes from the school full of baddies. That's run and, by a, by a former Death Eater, and he was kind of mad at me because he thought I was taking his girl. So. You know, we went for a nice little walk in the moonlight and uh, ran across this half-dead guy. No big. Yeah, Sirius isn't very happy about that. And <laughs> and Harry kind of gets, like, defensive about it, too. Like, who is he to tell me to be running off? Well, come on. He was, like, he was not good when he was a child. He was open about this. Mm -hmm. And then... You know, and I kind of feel like out of the Marauders, he was the most troublesome, the biggest troublemaker out of them. He was kind of the instigator. Come on, guys, let's do this. This will be cool. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, Snuffles gonna... Snuffles. Yeah. Is that what they're calling him? They're calling him Snuffles? Snuffles, yeah. <laughs> Which is weird, because... That why just not seems... just call him Padfoot? I don't see why not. I mean, who, who in this... Well, I mean... So maybe some of the older people might know that name, but no one in their class is going to know that name. Well, divination class time. We know Hermione doesn't participate. In this room, you shall explore the noble art of divination. Oh, Trelawney. Is that is that what you're talking about? Yeah, divination class. You All got right, it. I got it. We know uh, Hermione doesn't participate in pr Professor Trelawney's <laughs> shenanigans anymore, so... Nope. She's off to arithmancy. Yeah, sure. Uh, Jess, why is Trelawney's class like a hot box? She likes it that is way. Is it because she's in the attic and they don't have like the AC routed up there? Or? Yeah, there's, there's no AC, babe. They don't, they don't do AC. It's a castle. They just like have the house elves like blowing on people. Little <laughs> <laughs> fans. Um, no... Yeah, and she seems to like it. Like she has her fire, her scented fire pit going, fireplace going. I don't know. She's older people get cold easy. I'm so go with that. There was this like English literature class I took in high school, and it was right after lunch. Mm -hmm. So you know, I had just eaten, and it was always super hot. Like the furnace was working overtime. We got some rooms in school like that. Some are freezing. Some are you sweat. So 
when your belly is full and it's super hot, it's a perfect recipe for what? See. It's a perfect a nappy nap. It's a perfect perfect recipe for sleeping. Plus, the old lady that was teaching the class looked like the emperor from Star Wars, and was not like a very like enigmatic teacher and like somebody that you really wanted to pay attention to. She was just kind of mean and just it wasn't a class you wanted to be in anyway. Well, and our characters were up late dealing with the fallout. Of going Harry's little excursion in the woods. So I slept a lot in that class, mm-hmm. uh, and that's really the only class that I ever really remember signi- taking significant naps in. You know, at any point in my education. <laughs> wow, and, that's a new one. And Nightwing just came up and just tried to knock the microphone off the table. <laughs> uh, you you got any uh, school sleeping stories? No, history? I can't sleep in strange places. I can sleep anywhere. I can't sleep. I'm thinking about turning pro. I can't I can't sleep anywhere. Has to be at home in my bed, completely dark, completely quiet. Nobody my pillow. Nobody touching me. Nobody moving. Nobody moving, nobody talking, making doggy noises. So I mean I that's really the only time I ever remember really falling asleep. I mean I slept hard. Like like I said, it was a perfect recipe. It was a class that I didn't like. It was a it was a teacher that wasn't good. It was hot, and I and I had a full belly. And Harry falls asleep in this hot box of a class, and has a dream, or maybe a, a vision of Voldemort, Wormtail, and Nagini. And it's similar to the vision that he had earlier in the book that he thought was a dream but felt felt very real, like he was there. And in this vision or this dream, Voldemort is talking about Wormtail making a blunder, but the blunder has been fixed because somebody is dead. I think they said he is dead. But Wormtail still being to- tortured by Voldemort and Harry's going to be fed to Nagini the snake. And Harry wakes up and his scar is burning. Just like the last time he had this vivid vision of, of Voldemort. Did I leave anything out? Not really. I just, I didn't remember the whole flying on the owl part. Mm-hmm. And that, and because, that's only because, that's because the owl is delivering, delivering the message. Delivering the message to Voldemort that so-and-so is dead. Yeah, I, so I think it's just important to know that the owl was delivering a message. And Harry flew in on that out yeah, in the vision. Came on in with it. <laughs> tagged along. Uh, Harry says he's going to the nurse. You know, Trelawney wants to know. She said, maybe it's the... Uh, the... Division. Oh. Uh, something about my room and the, the aura of my room has yes. led to your vision. So you need to stay so that you can see more. And he's like, I don't want to see more. I didn't see anything. I got a headache. Gotta go. So Harry says he's going to the nurse, but he skips that and is trying to go straight to Dumbledore's office because Sirius told him next time something happens with your scar, you let Dumbledore know. Uh, Nightwing is now falling at the heater. Well, he was trying to attack Robin and get Robin's attention because she's laying in front of the heater enjoying herself and he, she's pest- he's pestering her to get up and play with him. All right, well, let's get through this, though. Yes. <laughs> Harry goes to Dumbledore's office, but in order to get past the gargoyle statue... You have to know the password. You have to know the password. So Harry just starts naming every candy and snack cake he can... He's, <laughs> like, he's like, Little Debbie, uh, Twinkie, uh... Ho ho, ding dong, <laughs> Cupcake. <Star> Crunch, <laughs> uh, Apple Pie. Swiss no. cake rolls. <laughs> and isn't very secure. And then it works. This makes no sense. Why would he know? Shouldn't there be like a default that if you try three wrong answers in a row, you get locked out? Yeah, you gotta contact customer service to like reset the password. Yeah, I would think so. I don't know. I was wondering, like I was waiting for it to have not worked. Like I said, it's been a long time since I've read these books. So sometimes I'm like, oh, well, did Dumbledore just, like, does something notify him that there's somebody trying to get in? Also, if you did need to talk to the principal headmaster. Like a blank camera or something like that? (laughs) Yeah. Wouldn't you need to be able to speak with them? Like, 
What if it really was an emergency? The castle's on fire. Yeah, maybe like a so little, have like little a doorbell intercom, or a knocker or something. Or something. Yeah, something should be able to be like, hey, I don't know your password today, but I really need to let you know there's some bad stuff going on. I don't know. Seems well, a little strange. Well, Harry gets in after just naming some candies. And I think Cornelius Fudge, the head of the Ministry of Magic, is in the office that Harry can kind of overhear, you know, through the, the exterior door. And Mad-Eye Moody is in there, and Dumbledore's in there, and they're all talking about the situation with Mr. Crouch, and, and Fudge is kind of making it seem like it's not that big a deal. I think Bertha Jorkins, you know, she's just kind of an she's airhead. She's crazy, man. We you know, don't know what she, she's doing. She could easily have gotten herself lost. She'll show up. You know, Crouch is probably just, like, overworked and stressed out. And... and Dumbledore, you know, Moody, of course, is very vigilant. He's always stay vigilant, Harry. Is is always very um, class half empty kind of guy. You know, like the the Dark Lord could attack at any minute. Any minute. Anyone could <laughs> attack at any and minute. And Dumbledore is, you know, kind of just taking it all in and, and trying to, you know, kind of come to a reasonable conclusion. And, of course, Moody's got that magic eye, so I'm assuming he saw through the door and saw that Harry was behind the door and said, Hey, we need to wrap this up because Harry's here to see you. And that's how the chapter ends. I thought that was kind of cool. Magic eye can do some magic things. All kinds of magic things. And and that's it for the for the chapter. Uh, anything else you want to add? Because we do have an email. Ooh, we have an email. Yeah, I didn't tell you about this one. Um, no, just kind of pointed out that one of Fudge's explanations, one of the possibilities, could be that uh, Madame Maxine ate him, ate Crouch. Well, you know what she is, right? She could have just ate him. She's like Hagrid. They're not all good. Like, wait, what? She runs a school of children. But you think she just took some random guy out of the woods and ate him. Mm -hmm. They do that, you know. No, I don't think they do. Anything else? We good? No, I think we're good. Uh, Our email comes from Madison. Hi, Madison. And she sent it to us at broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. You can always send us your emails. And it says... Greetings from Hogwarts, a.k.a. Conway, Arkansas. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, they got a, they have a, like a satellite school there. That's awesome. In Conway, Arkansas. I found there is a surprisingly big group of people online that believe that Hermione should have wound up with Draco. I believe uh, you guys in the YA world call that shipping. Yes, very characters. good, Daniel. Gold star. 10 points for Hufflepuff. I find that there is a surprisingly big group of people online that believe that Hermione should have wound up with Draco. They refer to the couple as Dramini. Do you think this relationship could have worked, or is it just too far-fetched? I'm going to have to say, with the characters, no way. This is not even possible. Like... He doesn't even get a true redemption in the story. I know there's a lot of people that love Draco. But even J.K. Rowling's like, why do you like him? He's not a good person. They're like, we know. <laughs> We're so, not either. Maybe if he had like a actual full redemption story, but he doesn't. He kind of sort of makes not the worst choices a couple of times. But he still is not a good person. And there's no way Hermione's going anywhere near that. Like, you know, w- women we were always just talking about w- rules. Women and laws. always be trying to fix people, though. <laughs> women always be trying to fix guys. Now, <laughs> I if, think I can fix him. Yeah, Hermione ain't got time for that. <laughs> She's like, no, I'm busy. I'm trying to fix the world. So the only reason I don't it, it, dismiss this immediately is because. You know, they've, they've kind of been like, I think there's like a evil, loathsome little cockroach. You foul, loathsome, evil little cockroach! Yeah, that sounds like love. 
But, you know, a lot of times, like, when kids are younger, like, the boy will pull the girl's hair and, and stuff like that. So maybe this is just the wizarding version of pulling the girl's hair. No. And then, like, when they get into high school, you, you know, they realize that there was the reason they were doing, you know, kind of at each other's throats because there was some kind of connection there. No. <laughs> no. No. And the and the only other reason that I don't immediately just dismiss it because it is it's to me it's it's kind of outrageous is that if they did end up together it would add like some depth and like kind of blur the lines of these characters a little bit because a lot of these characters in this book are are very black and white you know um like in um, in the old cowboy tales, like, uh, you know, white hats and black hats. You know, the good guys and the bad guys. And this would, the fact that maybe Draco could eventually end up with Hermione would mean that there, there would be some kind of redemption there for him. Or, or that he, he's changed his ways, that maybe that would kind of add... A, a little bit it kind of, it's kind of like the cobra kai <laughs> you know the bad guy in, in cobra kai is actually one of the the heroes in the or the bad guy in the karate kid is kind of one of the heroes in the in cobra kai now with the netflix show and it kind of you know we had these black and white characters good and evil in the original movie and now there's, there's these like shades of gray you realize that everybody is flawed but there can be redemption for even the the evilest of of characters and i agree that he can be but we don't see it mm -hmm. so based off of what so based we off have what of you the see, books and there's no like hints of redemption like there's stories where you know you'll see the bad guy a, a strange moment of kindness or they do do one good thing but then they go back to doing their normal bad or he hesitates stuff. before he like strikes mm -hmm. the the final blow or something like that yeah, because he has the conflict in his head. And people will argue that Draco does have that, but he still seems to want to be in that world, on that side. But does he does he only want to be because he's got horrible parents? Family issues, probably. So is it, you know, some people would argue that it's not really his fault. You know, he's a product mm -hmm. of his of his upbringing. He never really got a chance to, you know, prove that he could be a good person, and that maybe, her, so maybe Hermione could be the the one down the line to kind of show him the the righteous path. Maybe, maybe the events of the last book finally is the last straw, and he decides to change his ways. Maybe, but I think it's a really long journey that he'd have to go on he's so far one way he'd have to come really far the other way and then like you said even though his family if he realizes that his family is not great and that he shouldn't want what they want for him that's like the most extreme because she's muggle-born and they are very anti that i don't know i mean it's some kids that is they rebel and they do that but would that be for him, or would it just be a rebellion thing? I don't know. And then that's a lot she's got to forgive. Mm -hmm. A lot. Years of tormenting her and her friends. Like I said, though, women always be wanting those projects that they can. <laughs> <laughs> her mind is a little fix. They that. always want a little fixer upper. <laughs> oh, uh, but so probably not. Like, just not. Feasible. Just no, I don't think so. Hermione's not something that you you ship. No, I definitely do not. Now them as real people, kind of do. You mean the the actors and the actresses? Mm-hmm. Especially after watching that twentieth anniversary special, and they both talking about how they'd had crushes on each other and just never, never panned out on set, and how she kind of sounded like she hung out with Drake. Uh, Tom, more Tom Felton, more than she hung out with the boys. Her uh, Gryffindor boys. Right. And they, kept, they kept calling him Dan. 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 <laughs> you know, and Dan. Dan. Uh, Dan. 
Daniel Radcliffe. I've never heard him called called Dan before that special. The special, which I stopped watching halfway through, though, because I didn't want spoilers for... Good, good boy. For books uh, five, six, and seven. They did, they went much more into the stories than I really thought they would. Like, you know, talking about why things happened and why it was this scene was so important and pivotal. And I was like, ooh, this is going to get real spoilery. Mm-hmm. And then you left. So I, st- I stepped out. I bounced. Uh, so were I, you there for the part where they were talking about? Yes, the cr- he, the crushes. I, the, the way I understood it is that Emma Watson had a big crush on Tom Felton. He was apparently a couple years older than her, mm-hmm. so it wasn't as reciprocated. Not at the time. I, I guess think until they got later, older, he said like it wasn't. That it was a timing issue. Yeah, and like a two year, like or I think it was like a two year difference or something like that. That doesn't seem like a big deal, but when you're younger, like a 15-year-old dating a 13-year-old, that's kind of weird. weird. <laughs> it's only two years, though. But if it's like a 20-year-old dating an 18-year-old, it's not as weird. And if it's like a 35-year-old dating a 33-year-old, it's not weird at all. Not at all. The older you get, the less weird it is. <laughs> it's just... it's. You know, it's like, why are you... So why, we've hit that phase she, where it's not weird younger? anymore. It's not weird at all anymore. So go at it, guys. Yeah, so maybe a, a couple years later. They did talk about, though, in that special, which is on HBO Max, that, and we're not paid by HBO Max or anything. We uh, could be. They, they said the check's in the mail, but I don't, I've don't. i been checking. I don't know. I don't know. The mail's really behind right now. Yeah. We got it's our fine. press passes for C2E2 about a month after the show. <laughs> We did, and I got mine like one day, and you got yours like two days yeah. later. So it they was still even let worse. us into the show though, because they know we're kind of a big deal. Yeah. Well, the one guy he kind of rolled his eyes at first. <laughs> he's like, "They mailed them to you," and we're like, "We didn't get them." I and said, "Excuse like, me, sir. They oh, didn't okay. send them via owl post. <laughs> they didn't show up. Our owl didn't make it." Yeah. We say we should open your window though. Oh. I said it's ten degrees outside. Yeah. Sir. Four. Good sir. What were we talking about? <laughs> uh, HBO Tom. Max. It's on oh. HBO Max. Uh, so check it out. It's the And it was really cool to kind of see all the actors come together and they're in like the settings of the, you know, like Dumbledore's office and, you know, Hogwarts and, you know, seeing everybody all, all grown up. And, you know, they talked about the people that have, unfortunately, we've lost some of those actors mm-hmm. uh, since then. And, uh, you know, a lot of people in our crew said that they, they really enjoyed it. Catherine said uh, that it was cried. very emotional for her. Catherine cried. And uh, it was uh, it was pretty cool. I like when they do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe this will be a... Uh, I would love to see... You know, I don't know if it whether it would be a, a film adaptation of Cursed Child. But I would love to see, like, the actors... Like back in a real production, you know, I what whatever whatever it is, like a mini series or something like that. Several of them joked about how they, you know, there's that epilogue scene at the end of the movies where they're older and their mm-hmm. kids are going to Hogwarts, and so it was a big joke that you know now they they were that old that they were actually that age. Yeah, they don't need the makeup. And, no, they said they look better. They look better <laughs> they, than, they, than their they age do selves. because in that in, in the that is true because they they made them look like, <laughs> like they made them look like they were like stuff. sixty years old. And <laughs> Not quite that bad. <laughs> no, but. they had wrinkles and like vis- visible like you know. Uh, they had a hard life. Visible babe. makeup lines. It's a hard life. I, the makeup wasn't great. I got to tell you, I don't think don't think it got nominated for any Oscars for that scene Ooh. at the very end. But yeah, they all look they all look great. They all they all really do, you know. Especially Neville. <laughs> <laughs> Neville is amazing. Yeah, Neville Neville uh really uh uh grew into uh whatever he was uh kind of supposed to be by the end of the books, you know? Yeah. Well, he grew into it before the end of the books and they just kept putting fake teeth and fat suits on him. Mm-hmm. Trying to keep him like, stop getting so buff, bro. What are you doing? <laughs> We're really going to need you to not be so attractive. 
The the other thing that I think was a, and we'll wrap this up here in a second. But the other thing that I think was a big takeaway is that from that special is that some of the actors talked about specifically Ron and Hermione talked about how they had times where they were seriously thinking about quitting the roles mm-hmm. like halfway through the movies. You know, they just I guess was it they were talking about like the fame was just it was too much, it was too demanding, it was not Um well, I don't think that Rupert ever like voiced it like he said that after the fact after he found out that emma had considered it after it all came out later he was like yeah i felt like that too but i don't think he ever like had the guts to tell anybody Mm -hmm. whereas emma kind of voiced it and kind of made it a real thing where she's like no i'm thinking about leaving uh but she talked a lot about how she was more alone she was the youngest on the current well in the depth core group she was the youngest the boys had each other and she didn't really have anybody and so they even when they went when they went to events and the fans would swarm them the boys kind of had each other and then it's just different you get treated different being a girl and you know she said that the fans were always great but when she was first started talking about it i was like oh i wonder you know if it was kind of like uh, this couple, last couple of chapters where people were being mean to her mm-hmm. because, you know, they were in love with Harry Potter mm-hmm. and they wanted her to back off or, you know, it just kind of, that kind of happens. It bleeds over into real life. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, I kind of worried for a second. And then, you know, she kind of stepped back and said, oh no, the fans were always great to me. But I was kind of like, hmm, were they though? Did you get letters that said that Hermione needed to... Did you get anthrax in the mail? Yeah. <laughs> Bobo tuber pus. Yeah. So I just don't know what all exactly, but she was saying just that she felt really lonely, that she didn't really have a bestie to hang out with. Um, she liked to go hang out with Tom, but he was older too, and I'm sure he had his own friends. And I remember particularly before this movie, Goblet of Fire, you know, they had uh, Chris Columbus d- directed the first two movies, and they had a new director for the third, and I think a new director for the fourth. And apparently before the fourth movie was going into production, I guess the producers came to the director and they said, they said you know, you signed on this movie. There's a possibility that Emma might not be a part of it. And um, apparently the director went in signing on to this movie knowing that Emma Watson may not be coming back. So apparently it was out in the ether yeah. There. Yeah. She she told people where Rupert kind of said he didn't really discuss it with anybody, but after the fact, he found out that she had done. You know, she was, he was like, "Oh well, you know, yeah, I felt the same way a couple of times. You know, it got to be a lot. You know, it was their whole lives. They I'm sure they couldn't go anywhere or do anything normal." Yeah, I think they said so there was a line something like, "Like this is my life now. Like this is or this is going to be me." forever mm-hmm. now you know it's kind of like when when you play superman it's like you're superman forever you know no matter what you play everybody sees you as as superman that's like one of those roles that that, that just kind of sticks with you and, and no matter what you do you, you can win an oscar for, for something and they're like hey look superman won an oscar <laughs> you know it's one of those things that i think they kind of knew a couple films in like for good, for better, or for worse, we are these characters forever, and this is going to kind of stick with us. And she's done a she's done a good job of of post Potter success, though. Mm-hmm. You know, with like Little Women but and Beauty and the Beast. Is but Hermione. but she, she's still even with that. It just you're like, no, you're not Belle. No, you're not even that. <laughs> like just who she is as a person is Hermione. And I know when they, they talked about casting and everything, too, this episode's become also about the, the special. But when they talked about casting, too, they were looking for kids that, you know, were most like those characters. Mm-hmm. And she just was. Like, they talk about how she had memorized everyone's lines. Mm-hmm. She knew hers and... She was kind of a know-it-all. Dan's and Rupert's. She, yeah. 
and just the way she is now, I follow her on Instagram and, you know, she's very big into conservation and trying to save the planet and promoting equality for women and women's rights. Her parents and are dentists. Her parents are dentists. Which I don't yeah. know if that's true or not. <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't know either. But it's just like she has, I don't know, if she became Hermione, if she was Hermione before and they just happened to pick the right girl or what, but just the, the way the two have like melded together is mind-boggling and i kind of feel the same way about rupert i feel like he just is ron and he's the one that now has like taken the back seat to you know put show business over there and now i'm gonna have a wife and a family and just enjoy my life and i just totally see ron doing that like even earlier when we were talking about him wanting to be an aura i don't think that's what he would want he would do it because the other two are doing it like he would stay with the movies because the other two were doing it but he would rather just have a quieter life. Yeah, he says he wants to have this life of, uh, you know, these these fantasies of everybody loving him and him being famous and being the famous Quidditch player and all that stuff. But does he really have the personality for, no. for that? I, you know, like the twins do. <laughs> <laughs> the twins are like, like you could see the twins being, you could see the twins being Slytherins because of how ambitious they are. Mm -hmm. You could see them being Hufflepuffs because of how friendly they are and how outgoing you know they are. You could even see them being Ravenclaws because of how like they they're very bright. You yeah. know they're they're you know they're creating yeah. things, inventing things. Yeah, for so, their joke shop and their their little side hustle, as you call it. Right, but Ron is he just doesn't have the personality to no. to make that work. I think he it's, he wants a taste of it because he's never had it. Mm -hmm. But I think once he does, and he kind of does with being just being Harry's sidekick, he does get a little taste of it because. And nobody Harry's grows up like fantasizing about just having a quiet life with a wife and kids. Mm -hmm. Like nobody like fantasizes about that. You know, you fantasize about, you know, something, and, and he's based, basing it on what his brothers have had success with. Charlie's the famous dragon guy. <laughs> Percy works for the ministry. You know, the twins are are the the inventors and the you know prospective business owners. And then there's Ron. And forgot about Bill. Bill, what's Bill do? He works at Gringotts. Ah, he's a bank guy. Bank guy. <laughs> Everybody's got their Curse things. breaker too, I think. At least according to the game, Hogwarts and Mysteries. Yeah. Full time banker, part time <laughs> curse, curse breaker. breaker. Well, sometimes people want to put things in their vault, but they have curses on them, mm -hmm. I guess. So. Yeah. Well, I think that's going to do it. We kind of, uh, you know, we had, it was kind of a short chapter, so we had some time to, to go over the, you know, kind of. And the specials. It was, we had to talk about still the special. Ended, still ended up being a shorter episode than we normally do, which is, we normally shoot for a half hour and make he, it an hour. If he's asleep, we could keep going. He finally wore himself out well, trying to get people to play with him. The Senji's in front of a heater uh, melt. I don't yes. know if you knew that. Oh, yes. Uh, they they melt and their their bones liquefy, and then they they cannot stand up until the heat has been removed from them, and then the bones regrow. It's a little known fact about the African Basenji. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but thanks everybody for downloading, listening, and subscribing. Thanks everybody who continues to like the page, Broomsticks and Butterbeer on Facebook. Everybody continues to follow us on Twitter at Broomsticks B. Uh, we will give you a follow back. It may take me a few days to catch up and do that but we follow everybody back as long as you are a not inappropriate <laughs> yeah. there's some inappropriate stuff on twitter that i got one of those the other day i was like what is this yeah sorry about that if you got anything inappropriate uh you can follow her on twitter at jess rhino uh what's your goal for books this year i heard you and anastasia talking about uh you got a number for um books this year? i set it at 50 again mm-hmm I've, about a book a week. I've already got three done. So you're you're on you're ahead of schedule. I'm ahead of schedule. So when you have the inevitable month where you're sick, yeah, or <laughs> and won't even be able to open your eyes, or whatever. Yeah, I can't. I had started told us I wanted to knock a few out real quick and have that cushion. Well, we're getting toward the end of this book. 
You were, I know. You looked at your bookmark, and there's only a few chapters left. We're getting down to the nitty gritty, which is, I believe, uh, we've got another chat. We've got a chapter buffer, and then chapter thirty-one is the third task, Ooh. which is where business starts to really pick up. Yep. Now we're everything is just boom, 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 boom to the end. So, uh, like I said, thanks everybody for joining us on this journey here. Special thanks to. Uh, our inner circle of Anastasia in Connecticut and Jane in Illinois and Catherine uh, in Upper Illinois in Chicago and Kelly in Manhattan and uh, Jennifer in California. Oh, she's not going to be happy for her last. Jennifer in California, Anastasia in Connecticut, <laughs> Catherine and uh, Jane in Illinois and Kelly in Manhattan. Kelly and Posh in Manhattan. There you go. Posh doesn't care if she's last. She's just happy to be included because yes. she's a Hufflepuff. Uh, so until next time, I'm Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. And we'll see you then. Bye.